BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Welcome back, Redheads, to another episode of the Redheads Book Club, December edition. Last episode of the year. How is everyone doing? Woo! Fabulous. <laughs> you know, I really was dreading coming here today. Not mm-hmm. because, like, I didn't want to record, just because, like, I'm tired and stuff. But just being here, it just makes me feel so jazzed. It is so jazz worthy, especially because we have a local celebrity in our midst. <laughs> Dana has just returned from her honeymoon this morning and she got married this month, as I'm sure you all know, and we haven't caught up with you since. So how are you doing, girly girl? Hello, everybody. Um, it is wonderful to be back. The last time I saw you, we were raging at Edgewood Country Club in Rivermail, New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> On November 12th. <laughs> And it was great. The wedding went off without a hitch. I really couldn't be happier or more relieved or just like excited that it went well. Hawaii was incredible. It's crazy that I am now a new identity, Dana Webman. I've already, already sent my paperwork into social security. You wow. don't have my thank you. She level. changed her Instagram handle, I think, the night of her wedding. Oh my God, no. I have like crazy OCD and there were no there was no service on the plane for 10 hours on the way to Hawaii. So I updated every single app like DraftKings, Venmo, LinkedIn, Daily Horoscope. Like wow. Every single app now has Dana Webman. He's like, if you I don't didn't think have service, how were you able to update? They let you do the names. Oh, interesting. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm glad you spent your trip productively. Yes, yeah. thank you very much. And, and the best part of the trip was that Jackie, as a wedding gift, gave me a Kindle, which was sorely needed because I have been reading off of my phone for Wait. 10 years. Yep. So You've I've been doing this podcast <laughs> with a phone. No, and yep. she reads more books than all of us combined off of her phone all year. That is crazy. And let me tell it's you, I didn't know what I was missing. Thank we, you. Thank we you. literally talked to Josh's mom about this at the rehearsal oh dinner. Oh, my God. Like, so how do you feel about having a psychotic daughter-in-law because she reads <laughs> no, her books on her phone? Or it's like you would be with your in-laws and everybody's reading because they're – readers too and you're on your phone reading and it just looks rude yeah, like no, no one yeah. knows you're reading yeah. like like when we were in Blackberry Farms in the spa and the whole time I was glued to my phone like it really is you look like you're addicted to your phone yes yes but and like reading. you're scrolling through Instagram slash the pages of your book yeah no, no one knows the difference I couldn't have been more wrong the Kindle changed everything not only is it so much easier to read as an interface but like in the sun by the pool mm-hmm. I would have to squint the sunglasses were too dark off it was too hard like it was the perfect lighting I'm obsessed with it thank you 
you. We are wow. so That's happy for you. That's a fabulous gift, Jackie. She needed it, and it was, I knew that, like, I just, if she didn't get it by her wedding, like, I was so excited to be able to get it for you. Yes. And just fill, fill that hole. It was perfectly timed. <laughs> and the redheads got a lot of play at the wedding. Like, my mother-in-law works in book publishing, so she was so excited to meet the redheads. Josh's friend's speech were liter- was literally predicated on the redheads. No, like, the yeah. entire theme was the redheads. It was really <laughs> crazy. We got so many shout-outs throughout the weekend. It felt really special. We all got married. Yeah. It was so special. <laughs> exactly. We married literature. We oh did. We're married to books. Oh my god. Well, we're so happy that you're back. We're glad that you had a good time. Thank you. And you know, you're our girly this month because this month we read The Midnight Library by Matt Haig, which was a Dana's choice. And I guess I'll give a quick summary of the book and then we'll talk about our thoughts. Oh my god, we're really jumping we're into it. We're gonna jump right in. I guess I didn't catch up with you two. No, I got nothing. My life surrounds my it's like surrounded by Dana Holzberg. I mean <laughs> Webman. Yeah. No. Like she's the only thing that matters in my life. Same. <laughs> and it's like after she's like gotten married and on a honeymoon, like what else could the three of us say about what we've been up to? I you know, it's gonna be so real. Yeah, no, my my month has been just Dana Webman. Thank you guys so much. You made this the best possible wedding it could have ever been. Thanks, Dana. Oh, that's really that's cute. That's really so sweet. That's really kind. <laughs> okay. We read The Midnight Library this month. It was, what would you categorize this book? Sci-fi? Like magical no. realism? Magical realism yeah. a little bit. So it's the story of Nora who's very depressed in her life. And in one day, she pretty much you know, loses her job. She loses a couple of jobs and friendships. And it's just clear that she feels like she has nothing left to live for. And so she makes the decision to kill herself. And she wakes up in this library that where there isn't a librarian, Mrs. Elm, who was showing her through the library. And the library is all of the books of all of the different lives she could have led if she made different choices. And it's very complicated, yet not. I think the author did a good job of explaining the setup. So I never felt like, oh, this is unbelievable. What does this mean? Mm-hmm. But basically, she opens a book. She jumps into a different life. She tries it on for size. Does she like it? Is this a life that's going to make her happy? No. She comes back. She tries a different book. By the end of the book, she's realized the things in life that she's looking for, that she wants to live, that she wants to find some of these things that made her happy in other lives, but she has to do that within the context of the life that she just tried to leave. So she survives her um, suicide attempt and then goes on to make some of the changes that she learned during her journey through the Midnight Library. So our overall thoughts on the book, did we like it? I'm going to start with you, Dana, as this was a Dana's choice. I really, truly loved this book. I felt thematically that it was written specifically for me. Like, between the library, I love books. Mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with the concept of the butterfly effect, which is essentially, like, one small thing could have a huge change down the line, and that's what this book was. You change one small initial circumstance, and your whole life changes. Um, I just think it's such a good concept because it's so true, and people don't realize the power that they have. Any action that they make could really, like, change the world for good or bad. Mm-hmm. I really felt it was similar to Addie LaRue at points. I had read that as well. Some of the redheads wrote in and said that they felt that way. Mm -hmm. Especially when Hugo entered the scene. It was like the boy and Addie LaRue that saw her and they were both in the universes together. Um, So I liked those parallels. I... My only complaint is, and I don't even know if this necessarily would have made the book better, but the laundry list at the end of all the lives that she led, it kind of like numbed you to the specialness of the book. And I almost would have preferred just like three or four huge lives that we lead with her that take a long time and then go back instead of like bam, 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 bam. I agree with that. Yeah, I think that's fair. Bex, what did you think? 
I really enjoyed this book. I thought it was a fascinating concept and it was just like a way for me to reflect on the decisions that I make in my own life, which I always appreciate about a book that kind of like expands your mind and thinking. And I loved the philosophical element that was interwoven within kind of all of the material. I liked that it was like plucking Hume and Aristotle and just like really magnificent philosophers that I feel like we just overlook at times. And it obviously like had such a profound impact on Nora. And I don't know, I've always been kind of into philosophy and just like that kind of thinking. So I really enjoyed that. Um, I just thought that it was like, I, I also liked the the length. I don't know. It's been mm-hmm. like, such a long time since we had like a punchy book that like didn't expand way too much on every single thought. Like we got through it and it was exactly the right amount of time that we needed to spend with Nora and her lives. So I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this. Thanks, Dee Dee. I agree. agree. Snatchler, what about you? I really enjoyed this book. (gasps) Yes. We have a happy snitch. I like, I think I realized how much I enjoyed it once I finished it because I like kept thinking about it. Like I kept referencing it. Um, I just feel like the book was just full of like so many little like anecdotes that really just like make you think like about like your own life and just like decisions that you make. And it's also just so crazy to me, like how many different lives we could have possibly had. Mm-hmm. Like, do I really think that like we're having parallel lives at the moment? Like, no. Oh, but, yeah, like, for sure. You do. Yeah. Think that. We'll get into that. Don't worry. Physics, baby. Okay. And I just, it like really just blew my mind. It just like made me think about like everything ever. Yeah. I agree with all of you. I loved the book. I thought it was so concise. From the minute that we realized what it was going to be about, I was just like, this is a perfect book. And I would love to read more books about like different people and all the different lives that they would have led. Yeah. Like, I feel like I want to read this book about so many different other people. I thought it was so well written. It was like the author really packed the most into every sentence while not being too dense. Margot and I actually had a little reading play date the other night while our dogs went on a romantic date. Yeah. And I was telling her how I just like saw this one line that I'm going to read where I thought the author just it just sums up like how well said he he was she said she had shrunk for him it was about Dan she had shrunk for him but he still hadn't found the space he needed which just like summed up like so many relationships where it's like you make yourself small and you don't want the other person to like feel bad about themselves and it's like and you still he didn't have the space that he needed so I just thought there were so many sentences like that that probably were throwaways for the author he wasn't trying to make the biggest point of all time but it was just like perfect yeah. writing mm-hmm. he really grasps life well he really did yeah. and there are so many highlights that I have from this book and what's weird is usually in other books that I read what you know the popular highlights always come up and I do feel inclined to highlight them maybe my kindle wasn't working but I wasn't seeing any I didn't popular see any. right what is and that it was talk full of good highlights it, it was refreshing actually yeah. to not have like everything highlighted for you because when you felt powerful in yourself you're like oh yeah no, <laughs> no one I, told me to feel this sometimes way I do. you feel like delegitimized in the in the way that you feel about a certain quote if you're like oh two thousand yeah, yeah, three hundred sixty five other people corny. today felt this yeah, way right and yeah. it's like am I only highlighting it because two thousand 365 people told me to yes you know and I'm feeling pressure so it was nice to just like experience it and highlight the things that stuck out to me for whatever reason and we will be doing the Kindle highlight section for this book because I feel like there are so many just nuggets of goodness and I want to hear what stood out to you guys I love that Great. I'm so glad we have a book that we're really four for four on. And we have great questions, DBQs. We got so many redhead questions. So I think we should just write, jump right in and explore. 
Now, before we do, I need to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. Can you believe the holidays are right around the corner? That's just one reason this is my favorite time of year. The other reason is because there is so much amazing TV to watch and my absolute favorite shows are all on Acorn TV. Acorn TV is the largest commercial-free British streaming service that features compelling stories, exclusive premieres, and originals you won't find anywhere else. With Acorn TV, there's always something new to discover. It has hundreds of exclusive shows from around the world, including award-winning mysteries, dramas, comedies, and so much more. You guys know my favorite show that I've ever watched is called A Place to Call Home, and it's on Acorn <laughs> TV. And so, one, you should definitely go to Acorn TV acorn.tv and use code book to watch that show but they also have so many other great shows dramas mysteries they have a series called manhunt the night stalker it is just premium premium content all the time so try acorn tv free for 30 days by going to acorn.tv and use my promo code book but you have to enter the code in all lowercase letters that's acorn.tv code book to get your first 30 days free you will not regret it acorn is an amazing streaming service with so much content if you're feeling like you're at a loss for what to watch next. You've watched everything and you're just coming up short. Check out Acorn TV. You will literally have content for years. <laughs> so now, DBQs, let's jump right in. What's your biggest regret? <laughs> Dad. <laughs> well, where do I begin? I'm kidding. So let's start with Nora at the beginning of the novel. Nothing is going right for her and she feels her life is already full of so many regrets. Why did Nora feel this way? Why do you think she felt she had no other option but suicide? I mean, that opening paragraph of the book was pretty rough for her. Like, she got fired. Her best friend Izzy didn't text her back. Her brother Joe didn't tell her she was in town. Robbie screamed at her that she ruined all of their lives. Her old neighbor didn't need her anymore to deliver the prescriptions. Her cat died. Like, she missed Leo's piano lesson. Really, everything that could have gone wrong went wrong to the point where I was like, it was the only part of the book where I'm like, this is a little stupid. Like, it was overload and unbelievable. Yeah. But it just mm-hmm. does go to show you that this too shall pass. Like, if she had just waited till the next day, Izzy responded. Joe explained that he wasn't avoiding her. He just didn't feel like talking about his breakup, et cetera, et cetera. So, like, lesson to everyone when it rains, it pours. Just wait a little longer, and it won't always feel that way. Yeah, and I think at that moment, she just felt so untethered to this earth. It's like, if I don't show up tomorrow, who will notice, who will care? And in that moment, it felt like literally zero, down to her cat, who was the only person that was really relying on her. And so I understood how she felt like, oh, okay, then I guess that's it for me. Like, I've failed on every path I've tried to go down but then through the journey of the book you're like no there's so much more to you than just one really 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 bad Bad day day. in a series of bad years I would say I don't want to like minimize what she was going through Mm -hmm. because it was obviously a lifetime of decisions but there's always more I think was what she couldn't grasp yeah and it's it just goes to throw like show when you're in the throes of that despair it's so hard to see outside of it yes definitely and, and just flip your perspective a tiny bit like I feel like she looked at everything as like okay the, this is all signs pointing to like I don't need to continue to work at this versus like you, she could have flipped her perspective and her perception and said like this is all going so awry and I need to make changes in my life like profound decision uprooting changes that Mm -hmm. will make my life better I also feel like everything in her external life was a complete failure no offense Nora but (laughs) what she failed to see at the time was like internally she's probably the most talented smartest person yeah she was so funny she like she had so much going on so okay so this path in particular didn't work out 
but you have so much more to give. Like there are so many more things that you could do. I feel like she was just not, she was selling herself short and yeah. thinking that the world, you know, had rejected her when it's like, just why don't you choose one your next thing because you're literally good and smart at everything yep no you guys when she went through her list of lives and what she accomplished ceo <laughs> leader of a band that was like as big as nirvana like <laughs> she had a, a, a glaciologist i'm telling you like i was like okay like she accomplished that in, in all those lives like i can barely accomplish like bullshit in my current life like no, I don't yeah. think I don't think my parallel universes are like doing much better than I'm doing right now like it was just crazy I was like she is excelling yeah but I feel like most people have like one you know big talent or skill and it's like okay she started out she was going to swim she was the best swimmer but didn't want to do that she was going to do music she was the most amazing musician didn't want to do that anything that she like tried her hand at she was amazing at yeah. so like it was just try again totally you yeah. know and that's why I think, and we'll get into this, the librarian was so pivotal of being the person that met her in the in-between because like it was at that moment in her life when the when her dad died and the librarian was hugging her that everything changed because from there on out she felt such immense guilt that like she was almost paralyzed in all of the decisions that she wanted to make. Right, because she was worried how every decision yes. would adversely affect the people around yes. her. So as Mrs. Elm tells Nora how the Midnight Library works, she asks her, what would you have done differently if you had the chance to redo your regrets? Have you ever thought about, if you made a different choice, what your life would be like now? Yeah. Well, now I have. But I don't know what really would be different, because, like, obviously, Nora had these, like, glaring other lives she could have had, you know? Whereas, yeah. like, I don't think that but that's like I think the I whole point that. that it doesn't need to be this glaring other life like if you had made one small decision right of course your whole life could have been different but it's hard to know yeah. yeah I try really to like not have regrets in life I think that's like you know a good premise that everyone strives for I think so, you do a good job of that yeah. but I have like random regrets that probably wouldn't change the course of my life but now reading this book I'm like I Maybe. wonder what they are so one regret that I have is I wish I didn't do this teen tour one summer <laughs> in high school because I was miserable and I wasted my summer like waiting to go on the teen tour and then I only stayed for two weeks and then like it was just a waste of a summer and I, I always say like I just wish I went back to camp that summer and like I wonder if my life would be any different. What, what summer would that have been at camp? I, it would have been super senior summer. You missed your super senior summer? Yeah, because like none of my friends were going back and everyone was going on like teen tours. I went on Sulam. That is the, cr the fact that you missed your, that was the best year of summer of my life. <laughs> right. So I just like See? wonder. Right. Maybe. Know? Maybe and if she had gone back, it wouldn't have been. Also, um, sometimes I think about if I didn't go to Colgate. That's the, mine. The fact that I went to Colgate is the most random decision ever. <laughs> yeah. And, or if I didn't get into Colgate, which, you know, was also a long shot and I went to say NYU like who would I be where would I be it's really crazy those are like two yeah. things that came you would to be mind. a completely different person that's my number one is like I remember I want to go to fucking Emory I was gonna apply early there okay I, like I imagine what I would be like had I gone through with that a so, basic bitch yeah is that, so that's a regret technically of yours that like you didn't go to a college college yeah okay but yeah. then you would be somewhere so completely different no I know but maybe it'd be better I don't know right right Anyone else want to share? No, the, the summer one strikes a chord because there was one summer where I decided to stay back in lifeguard instead of going back to my summer camp in Maine and being a counselor. And, like, I think about it all the time. I'm like, that would have been the best summer ever. And, like, yeah. I stayed back because, like, I had, like, was dating someone and, like, all, like, all these terrible – I shouldn't have done that. Like, I should yeah. just, like, live my life. I don't think I would have been in a drastically different place, but I would have had way better memories from that summer. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have huge examples like that. I think I my regrets are more in the form of like how I think about things. Like if I were to do it all over again, I wouldn't be so fixated on like 
how would this make this person feel? Or like, would this person feel excluded if I did this? I just like wouldn't give a shit and do what I wanted to do. So more of like a pattern of thinking as opposed to a big decision. Interesting. I think it's a little different, but I understand what you're saying. But perhaps the patterns of thinking have eventually influenced her decisions. I I see that. I have. Like, I just, I don't know, not like I would care less about people and do what I want to do, but a little bit of that. Yeah. No, FOMO. That's, and like, I feel like FOMO, yeah. like, very much implicates. Yeah. Just like live well-being. for me. And, not, and like, that it's not, I engage in this thinking all the time, this butterfly effect, not because I have regrets and like what would have happened. I'm just like genuinely curious about the concept so intensely of like, mm-hmm. even just, oh, if we had taken this flight and had a layover in this and we got here yeah. early, like, I'm just always engaging in that. Not and even in an unhealthy way. I just like really find it such a fascinating thought exercise. Yeah, I agree with you. If you somehow ended up in a place like the, the Midnight Library, how do you think you would handle it? Would you want to see all the different outcomes that your life could have taken? So this was one fr- frustrating thing about Nora. I felt like from the minute she arrived, I got what was happening here. And she needed so much convincing to like go and explore all these other lives, especially for someone who was on the brink of greatness so many times like I'd be bursting I'd say yeah. I'd, first up I'd want to see myself as a rock star so that was a little frustrating that she like needed to really be coached through it yeah but yeah I would be all in 100% that was 100%. that's like my little like adventure spirit in me I felt like I was very aligned to Hugo in that way where he's like oh yeah I'm like cruising through all these lives and like seeing all these wild things and that sounds like the most delightful thing in the entire world like I don't want to like see my loved ones die in every life I live that I think could get very tiresome at some point and just exhaustingly sad but I like want to be in the glaciers I want to see a polar bear I want to like visit Mars I want to do all these things that like she had a chance to and the crazy thing is is like when she gets back to her life she remembers all of it you know it's not like it got wiped from existence yeah like she genuinely can touch on those experiences yeah I know this ends up being like the crux of the whole book but it was so frustrating in every life how she was herself from her original life and couldn't adapt more organically like when they described in her most perfect life with her uh, daughter and her husband about how names would just come to her even though she had never met them like I wish that happened more in the yeah. other lives whereas you more naturally integrated I agree but I feel like it could have been worse like at least when she was you know this swimmer she had all that muscle memory like there were yeah. things that, or when she was in the band like she didn't have to, she didn't totally choke on stage like right. she had musical instincts already so it, there were it was less frustrating than it could have been. It also could have been easier. So much I, of the time, though, was like Googling who yes. this person is or like getting on stage and yeah. not knowing or like, do I have any media? It was like so much of that of just like figuring out like everyone's names. Yeah. I wish that there was like a pamphlet or like a, a cheat sheet for each life that when she got there, she could have just like downloaded the information necessary to like at the bare minimum yeah. survive. Like, I, I agree. I, because but it's I like, actually think her phone was that. Like it was a very good use of technology. Like her phone was always there. She Googles herself she looks at like her text messages it was as helpful as like I agree it could have been totally like boilerplate but it it was a good use of modern technology yes but I just feel like it she couldn't really get the full experience because she didn't know what the fuck was going on and that's inevitably eventually why she chose her original life and like I like that they incorporated that so that you could understand the decision but it was a lot of imposter syndrome that was hard because it's like that boy's so nice and you love him in this life and he likes dogs but it's like you hate him because you're not actually this person that was so funny that (laughs) That was was hilarious that was really funny Nora goes to so many different realities from marrying her ex-boyfriend to studying glaciers which alternate reality did you find the most interesting and enjoy reading the most? The glaciers. Wow. Of course, obviously. I like see a ice sculpture. I'm like, this is it. Wow. <laughs> I thought it was just so different. I thought it was 
like spectacular and so unique and far from ordinary and I like just thought it was so interesting and fascinating like if I could be like totally wild with my life and like still have like a legit career that sounds cool to me that was the one for a while that I contemplated as like this will be her life because it's the one thing she wanted for herself so she's gonna end up there so I like that one too I actually like the Australia one because it just goes to show how you can regret something so intensely in her original life, but look what would have happened. Her friend would have died. So yeah, it's like I know. the grass is always greener. It's not always chalked up to be you're now swimming in an outdoor pool. You don't know anyone and you're not happy. Yeah, I agree. I think weirdly, the one I like best, but maybe it was just because it was the first one, so I was just enjoying the experience the most, was the Dan one. Yeah, because I like in that. her in her original life, she has so much regret. Like, she left this man at the altar. Why? He's a perfectly good man, and otherwise she's completely lonely. And then it's so funny how, like, memory is just, like she says so many times, your imagination, and you look back on things with rose-colored glasses, and, like, she starts to remember all the reasons why she did leave him. Yes. And it really manifests itself in their miserable marriage. And I really felt like that was truly, like what would have happened I loved when she withheld the answer to the 20-sided shape and then later threw it back yeah. in their fight like and by the way you're an idiot I feel like you would do and that and I also <laughs> I feel like in other lives that she was leading when she had that sense of disappointment and she went back to the library it wasn't it didn't feel like overwhelming disappointment it's like oh so and so isn't alive bummer I'm out yeah when she went into the bathroom after her conversation with Dan she was so overwhelmingly disappointed at the way her life would have yes. ended up it, it really felt like a she understood the assignment yeah. as opposed to the other ones where it's like, I don't like this. Bye. Yes. Agreed. I was almost like, wait, I thought this was the structure of the library. You don't get to go back unless you're actually yeah. disappointed. Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought is like, she so easily just like left these lives. And I, I really thought it might've been a little bit harder for her to leave these lives. They played with that a little. Yeah. Cause it's like someone like, obviously someone dying is terrible, but it's like, Someone dies and then boom, I'm gone. But, you know, I just thought it was like, yeah, yeah I agree. It started to get easier and easier for her to yeah, check yes. out as opposed to having to be like fully like have the feeling that she had in her original life. Yes. Snitch, what was your favorite life of hers? Oh, thank you for asking. Sorry. I really appreciate that. <laughs> I actually enjoyed the glaciologist. Whoa. Two for two, baby. Did, um, you, did you know that I, I just, saw that too? <laughs> I know that. Snitch. <laughs> <laughs> Snitch, I beg you to just pay attention to me for once. It's so hard. <laughs> um, I just thought it was like, it was interesting. And also because she met Hugo. Hugo was a very instructive character. Yeah. Yes, I, I liked him. And also like the polar bears. Just like so weird that I enjoyed it. Okay, cool. But also like that was definitely not the life that she was meant to live. Do you like it because it remind you, re- reminded you of It Happened One Summer? Um, very similar. Not really. They're, they're on in the fucking like glaciers, like middle of nowhere. But they're like ice fishing and there's a cute guy. Okay. Okay. Every time Nora goes to one of these realities, there's usually a lot of good, but also something bad. Whether it's her brother dying in the rock star storyline or her mother passing away alone when Nora kept going with swimming, what do you think the author was trying to say there with how each of these concepts had huge consequences? I think that life is complicated and you're going to endure highs and lows no matter how you construct it or if you envision the picture perfect life, you like think you have it all, but like it's it's always going to have its fair share of hardships and I think that like she experienced that in every life that she lived yeah I also like with that the life when she was the rock star I don't know mm-hmm. when like her dad was alive I feel like that probably was like so fucking jarring for swimming. Her. She, swimming. Was, she was swimming like that must have just been like so crazy but it's also like it was interesting how like kind of no matter what like her parents were always gonna die 
Yeah, but it just made the circumstances a little different. Like, so her dad is like living his best life with his new girlfriend, and her mom died alone. Yeah, as earlier. earlier. Yeah. So with every you know up, there's a down. Yes. And I think that that was true for, for every single life. There is no perfect life. Is the message something's yeah. got to give? Yeah. Yeah. Let's now talk about Nora's relationship with the real life Mrs. Elm. Why was this such a significant relationship for her? I mean, Dana, you spoke about this a little bit. It was just like a turning point in her life. Yeah, two, it's twofold, I think. It was the point in her life that she thereafter lived with so much regret and fear of hurting people because she saw what happened by her decision not to swim and internalized that guilt when her dad died early because he was so stressed out about it. And also, she mentioned how it was the first time she really experienced kindness because Mrs. Elm like hugged her and made her feel better when her dad passed away. So it was just like a really pivotal character in her childhood that she later described in the library as a mechanism. Like it wasn't a real person. It was her subconscious mm-hmm. yes. and her way to filter through her life because this was someone that was trustworthy and it was one of the first people she felt that about. Yes. Now, not to get too personal, but do you guys feel like there's anyone in your life who if you went to your library like that you know who would be there I was thinking about that like I think a camp counselor honestly like yeah. one, of the, one of the camp counselors that I idolized when I was younger interesting I couldn't think of anyone I can't think particular. of anyone yeah that's a great question I don't think everyone has you know someone but also yeah. depends on like where you come from like if you come from a family that you're where you're always supported you, it's not as important to get that mm-hmm. support from teachers and stuff but if you come from an environment where you're being put down and just like made to not feel worthy when yeah you do, like I when am. you when you are seen, it means so much. Yes. Like who? I said like I am. Right. We're constantly putting you down. You're constantly making me feel unworthy. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll throw to you more on the questions. Will okay. that make you feel worthy? Yes. Okay. Throughout the novel, Nora realizes how people blamed her for her, their own shortcomings and that the different realities she chose were based on hoping for a better outcome for her loved ones. Let's talk the significance of Nora realizing this. How did it help her move forward with her own life? One of my favorite parts of this whole book was when she had the realization that regrets were actually just guilt for how she made others feel. Yeah. Her regret wasn't that she herself didn't get to go to Australia. It's that she felt bad leaving Izzy there alone. Her regret wasn't that she wanted to be an Olympian. It was that she had let her dad down. Mm -hmm. So once she was able to make that... Uh, differentiation between the two feelings I feel like her book of regrets basically disappeared and she was able to finally live for herself what happened after she had that realization she then chose a life where she said yes to coffee with ash she said I I love that life I want to choose something where I did something for me and not I didn't do something because of someone else or whatever and she said no because she was with Dan right Mm -hmm. and that's where the growth really started for Nora for sure What did you think about the storyline where Nora marries Ash and has a daughter? Why wasn't she able to stay in this alternate reality? I adored this life. I just thought it was the life for her. And it made me so mad when she kept like, when she was like, I'm leaving soon. And I was like, why? Like, you finally figured it out. But I think it was like, she's leaving soon so she can go make that life for herself. Do you think that that's what she's going to go and do? She's going to call up Ash? Yeah, she said that she was going to ask him for coffee at at the end of the 5K. I do think she is. I do think she is too. So do they get married and have Molly? I hope so. I think she left that life not necessarily. Well, yes, because of that realization, but also because the premise is you leave when you experience disappointment. And then she started realizing like, oh, Mr. Bannershe, the neighbor is in the assisted living home. That's what happened because I didn't deliver his prescriptions to him. Like Leo is getting arrested. That's what happened because I didn't give him piano lessons. The shop is closing. That's what happened because I didn't work there. And like inevitably all that disappointment compounded for her to be like, this is actually not my life. The things I did in my other life are beneficial to 
others who are now hurting. What about what's beneficial to her? Right. I found that a tough pill to swallow because it's like she can't be responsible for everything everyone around her is doing and and at, at the sake of herself like she should live this miserable small life so that for other people so Mr. Batterji gets his prescriptions like and that's what I, where it kind of like fell apart for me at times in the book like it was like the first time I was reading it where I was like wait what because she was wholly unhappy miserable in her life and was in this parallel life that she really felt fulfilled by and then like having glimpses of her old life that made her so miserable and then her getting so triggered by it I was like wait 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 like this whole exercise feels like it's unraveling like what we have we learned nothing I agree (laughs) like there's always pros and cons yeah okay here are some cons but like you're living your I think it started showing her that she was meaningful in her life like she realized for the first time I think yeah I think it helped her realize there was meaning in her life that like her life wasn't as shitty as she thought it was yeah Yeah. what were some of the key realizations that made her want to go back to her original life wow i feel like we're answering each question completely correctly because then the next question just totally um (laughs) confirms what we just said oh my god we're acing this exam (laughs) we're acing this exam i think it was mostly her imposter syndrome how in every life she entered even when she loved it she never really felt authentically herself and that it belonged to somebody else and she was like improvising and well i mean she was everyone kept being like are you okay yeah like I think that was the main driver of like I love it here but it's not real it's not yeah feeling like she joined life halfway through I imagine that can get tough at times I understand but also like you skip the hard part you know yeah for sure you miss childbirth yeah no like you that but then also it's like you don't have to go through all the school of becoming the glacial like you know what I mean like you're there she didn't get to hook up with the rock star oh yeah Ryan (laughs) how will things be different for Nora going forward what happens next for her I think she just will view life glass half full versus it's glass half empty. Perspective, yeah. baby. Like yeah. her entire mindset has completely changed. Yeah. It's really it's, amazing. It's like when people say that they like had like a near death experience and yeah. they see life totally different. Or it was reminding me of, you know, the people who jump off the Golden Gate Bridge. There's yeah. a few survivors and they say like the moment that they jumped, they regretted their decision. And it makes you wonder if in that time, like they're in the library. <gasps> Oh, makes you holy think. Holy shit. Makes you think. Okay. Do you think the Midnight Library exists? Yeah. You actually think that, like, you can go into your no, other life? I don't think that's how it necessarily works, but I do think, like, once you reach the afterlife, like, you get access to all of these other things and, and knowledge about things that you wouldn't have known. Yeah. Doesn't mean you can come back to your life and take all those learnings with you. Like, yeah, I don't but think then it, it's just upsetting if I like saw life where I was like fucking crushing it. And I'm like, wow, like, but now I'm dead. So who does So that then help? maybe you wouldn't see it. I do think you would have access to, to information. But, Definitely. But it's not really, I don't think that's what really like, happens. I don't think it's called the Midnight Library. Well, but, like, obviously because that, like, one had a DVD store. Right. Well, that's my next question counts. In Nora's life, her in-between place is a library. Hugo's is a video store. Other people have restaurants. What would yours be? Dana, we know yours is a library. A library. Yeah. <laughs> a farmer's market. Yes. Wow. Jumping into peppers left and right. <laughs> I was thinking for me, maybe a department store. Yes. yes. 100%. Yes. Thank you for the answer. Yes. It's correct. I think mine would be like a music store. Oh, like vinyls. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. cute. It wouldn't be like a, a super gym. <laughs> it would be a super no, gym where the, the, live method, where the, the live weights are, are tequila bottles. Oh, yeah. Maybe it'd be like the Casamigo, like a Casamigos ranch or something. No, it's yeah. all of the different weights, like the free weights you pick up and then you enter a new life. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> 
Live method. It's the live method. Live. Live method. The midnight live method. <laughs> Truly. Okay. Those are our DBQs. I really feel like we are getting to the heart, the meat of this book. And now we're going to get into the redhead questions. But before we do, I want to let you know that this segment is brought to you by Talkspace. We have shifted how we work and learn, but sometimes it feels like the world is changing faster than we can keep up with it. Talkspace Online Therapy can help you manage stress, process significant life changes, and more, so you can feel less overwhelmed and more in control. The people around us make a huge impact on our lives, and life's pressures can cause those relationships to change, for better or for worse. So in the last two years, so many of us have undergone so much change, and talking about it and having a resource and a place to go to talk about these things is so important for your mental well-being. As the year ends, another holiday season is upon us. For many of us, that means travel and family, and for a lot of people, that can be additional stress and again Talkspace is a wonderful resource and outlet where you can talk to experienced professionals who can help you get through whatever might be troubling you. I also feel like this book The Midnight Library really emphasizes the importance of the importance of taking care of your mental health and I'm so glad that we are able to share Talkspace with you guys. Talkspace is ready to help you start feeling better with a single message. If you need a little support to help you through the end of the year or want to start building towards a better upcoming year, Talkspace is here to help. Match with a licensed therapist when you go to Talkspace.com and get $100 off your first month with the promo code BOOK. That's $100 off when you use code BOOK at Talkspace.com. Thank you, Talkspace. Redhead questions. Please share your thoughts on Mrs. Elms. I personally thought she was the sweetest. Yeah, she was a very good vessel. She moved the book along. She was, you know, nice and concise with Nora I I she didn't bother me at all once you started viewing her through the lens of this is actually just Nora and like Nora's subconscious right. it was interesting to be like well, how do you know that I don't know I think there was the interplay between those two were, were were good yeah I liked her yes at first I thought she was sort of a neutral force just guiding Nora through this midnight library and then through each kind of subsequent life and return to the Midnight Library, I felt like she was giving more and more advice. Like mm-hmm. she at one point said, like, you might need to stop worrying about other people's approval and all the efforts to get Nora, like something about approval. And yeah. I feel like that like reshaped and reframed Nora's entire approach to the library. So I was like, oh, like you're not just a neutral force. Like you're like her life coach. Yeah. yeah. Well, Literally. In the beginning, like Mrs. Elm was kind of giving us nothing. She was very mysterious. Yeah, she was like kind of mean. And then towards the yeah. end, she like revved off book, oh, shelf number 11, <laughs> book number three. Go like she just got so like hasty yes. in her lessons because they were running out of time. Yes. So it was interesting how her approach changed yes. throughout the book. How did you find the reading process? Were you, mo- were you more focused on the lessons being told throughout or more focused on the different plots and how Nora's life would end up? A little bit of both. Like, you know, it was like playing like ping pong in my head of like what I should be focusing on. I agree. That's a good question. That yeah. is a good question. We got so many great questions about this book because I think also it's a great book. I'm happy she asked that because it has highlighted to me that's actually what I was doing without realizing what I was doing. Like yeah. soaking in the life lessons and then trying to fixate on the plot. Yeah, but yeah. a part of me was trying to figure out like what's going to be the best life for her. What should she have done? And I would say like a third of the way into the book, I realized that like Ash, there was more to Ash than we were seeing. Like when he first showed up at the yes. doorstep, I didn't think anything. But then the fact that he had asked her out for coffee, I was like, she should go explore a life with Ash. And yeah. so I felt that they left one coming. the breadcrumbs very strategically. And then she smiled at him when she was with Dylan. Yeah. But I did think that 
she would end, stay in that life and that's how it would end sort of but there was still too much percentage left of the book so I was like something's gotta go I wrong very early on was like she's gonna go back to the original life and then as I was reading I was like that can't be it and then when it happened I was I felt validated I am um, focused more on the life lessons as we speak about this question I was not invested at all about the lives I didn't care where she ended up I didn't care about where she was going or where she was gonna be or anything I was just like what's going on here life lesson wise yeah this reader felt that despite getting a glimpse into Nora's many personal lives, she, she still felt distant from her as a character and overall felt that the reader never gets a glimpse at who she really is. Did you also feel that way or did you feel you had a deeper connection with her? You know, I kind of agree with this yeah. and mm-hmm. it actually mostly realized it when we had to cast same. her. Oh my I, God, I could not picture this same. bitch at no, all. No, because they never gave us really descriptors about her. Yeah. Obviously, a person is so much more than their physical appearance, but it's also like the way that you dress, the way that you carry yourself, how you see yourself. 100%. And I do feel like we know what Nora's interests were, what her strengths are, that she's smart. But as to her like personality... Is she funny? Like, I didn't know her that well. I totally 100%. agree. I agree. Do they ever even describe what she looks like? No, they just describe the changes in her appearance in the different lives, whether it's muscles, whether it's right. hair, whether it's wrinkles. It's weird. Maybe that's the, intentional. I think it is. She really is a blank canvas. The book was so deep in its themes and like ideas, but you're right. The character itself wasn't so developed, not in a way that I thought detracted from the book, but it was an interesting She contest. really just felt like a vessel. Yes. And, you know, she was reminding me a little bit of that book, Eleanor Oliphant yeah, is completely yeah. fine. You hated that book. I hated that book, but the beginning of the book is yes. very similar to yes. this book. <laughs> Next up, some readers thought that this book reminded them of Addie LaRue, while others said, was it just me or did this book remind you of Have You Seen Luis Velez? <laughs> I felt like the author was spelling out the themes and always taking the, uh, slash take always the entire time. That Takeaways? Yeah, maybe. Takeaways. <laughs> she felt very, like, spoken to about the themes and the lessons. And I, I do feel that. I see where you're coming from. I didn't think that because I just thought the way it was written was just so much more elevated. It was masked better. At the end, I saw it because there were many quotes that I highlighted that I felt like really encapsulated the message. But then there were so many of them yeah. that yeah. I was like, oh, okay, we, we are at a redundant place. I felt that with the bear. I feel like a hundred times after the bear, it was like, I wasn't scared because the bear. I was scared because I realized I wanted to live. Yeah. Like, yeah. That was a little much. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was heavy handed for yeah. sure. And there were a lot of different life lessons coming at us. But, some, but I appreciated it because sometimes I needed to be reminded of like, what it was because the book was complicated in ways where I was like oh yeah good remind me of like what the theme is here (laughs) yeah I agree does the idea of parallel universes intrigue you or like this reader are you overwhelmed by the possibility I enjoyed the book very much and didn't feel as anxious as I thought I would at the prospect of all the possible outcomes of life but I still found that this idea is one that leaves me a bit unsettled what are your thoughts on this so snitch you say you don't believe in it no no (laughs) um I like believe that way. I believe in it. Like, I guess in theory, no. Yeah. I guess I don't believe that there's like a parallel life of Margot going on at this point. Right. Like you leave this studio and you either take an Uber or you walk and either way, those universes are both happening at the same time. You know, there's someone in an Uber then there's someone in an Uber. You're in the Uber, but also in another world, you're walking home. I just, it's too much for my mind to, mind to grasp. I agree. I'm sure that there's like physics and very real science behind it, yeah. but it's just far too much. And the idea that like, I'm so in myself, like that, so my soul is split a million times into a million universes, you know? A hundred percent. It's like 1000% happening. Like our earth 
exists like billions of times over like to think that we are the only ones no I don't think we're the only ones on earth but am I the only me yeah I don't think so I think there are millions and yes, billions I, of yes, me yes I, oh hundred, I really do I really okay. think that, but I do but like, also wait, think it, talk to me about this like the metaverse. Will you run into Facebook her? Is on like, could you run into you? No. No, it's happening no, no, no. in an no. alternate universe. That no, you're like exactly light like years this. away. Like parallel. Like you can't cross. Well, the book described it but as does perpendicular. But what we do on this universe influence what's happening on those? That's what's happening in the book. I don't think that's what's happening. Do you know what I always yeah, think? Yeah, no, like she makes a decision and then in her universe that she's living in, that's the way her life goes. But in another universe, it goes the way. No, I think that like her life has like all of these decisions made and it's just like variations of all the life with all the decisions. But like in her rock star life, her not picking up the phone for Ryan doesn't impact her swimmer life. So then do we not have free will if everything's just going to happen? Well, on that brings, this regardless? is one of the passages I highlighted The brings into question, the, the cat point, how the cat was going to die no matter what. Right. Because that was just his predetermined fate. But the humans have free will, apparently, because one decision can change the entire But I thought outcome. cats have nine lives. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, they called into question that, like, why did the cat, and then Hugo mentioned the same thing happened to their dog, died at a pre-specified moment, whereas humans, it, from what the book made it sound like, have power and agency. Oh, I didn't feel confused by that. The cat was sick. You're going to die. I, that happens to humans, too. But the mom was sick, but she ended up dying earlier. Cause because, of, like, I think the way her life was going... It was uh, she was leading a sadder life. It was like degenerating faster. Yeah. Whereas the cat actually was leading a very happy life and lived longer. But there was no world in which the cat lives outlives this disease. Yeah, it didn't bring up a question of free th- will for me. Then I think the book is promoting only free will, and not faith. Uh, yeah, because I, I think what you're saying, Rebecca, is like there's a million universes and every possible permutation of life is happening simultaneously. Yeah, but. I think this book is saying there's a million, like there's our universe and then there's the a million offshoots of it based on the decisions we make in this universe. I just think that, that the idea of a parallel universe is that they're happening in parallel. But versus, she also said perpendicular at times. Oh, she did? They used yeah. the word perpendicular. So they are like connected. She did talk about that tree analogy. Uh-huh. What I uh, always wonder. It's not just a bunch of beanstalks going right, up. Right, right, right. What I always wonder if fate is at play and then in these books when the person goes into the parallel universe and changes things, like, isn't their mere presence entering this environment changing the future than it would have been if they didn't enter it? Like, there, yeah, there's even more, like, permutations yeah. than they're even saying. Right, yeah. I feel, yeah, I feel that, that always confused me, that one concept. Like, she went into the universe and was like oh my god this is my daughter and I don't know who she is and so she went into the room and started a series of games where she could learn her name and the street they lived on but like if she hadn't entered into the world she would have never done that she would have handled it differently like go back to bed so then did that create more offshoots like just the sheer fact of being there as an imposter changed the world yes yeah I was thinking that too but that's why the library was infinite no matter how you sliced it because of things like that I will say that it was comforting at times hearing or just like thinking through the vastness and like the billions, trillions, infinite aspects. Like it made me feel so small and insignificant, which at times like when I'm so overwhelmed and in my thoughts and and just inundated by like my life plans, et cetera, I'm like, I'm such a speck. Like this is so humbling. It's it's kind of comforting. Yes, it's very comforting. To know that you are nothing. You're nothing, your problems are zero. Zero, like look at this. 
universe in front of us. Yeah, I like knowing that. Yeah, me it too. doesn't make me feel insignificant. Like it makes me. It gives I want to feel insignificant. It's comforting. It makes me scared that like this life is pretty good for us, and what life am I not doing well in? And like I don't ever want to leave this. <laughs> well, that's a great. That's the that's feeling I think feeling you're trying to, to achieve. It's like yeah. I hope I didn't do anything differently because I wouldn't then be here, which is where I want to be. Nora yeah. didn't have that yet. I guess it makes me sympathetic to my parallel self for whatever they're going through. <laughs> I know, oh, yeah. truly, because like, my look at the self. life that Nora loved so much, which was like pretty similar to, I think, like, the lives that many of us lead or will lead or have lev- lived, led. Wow, you guys. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, like we have a lot to be grateful for. Like, yeah. We should feel very lucky because like, this is like the life that she was happiest in. Not saying it's that easy, but... And we should remember whenever we're like, oh, we wish we had done that. Like, you never know how it would have turned out if you actually did it. Yeah. Could have been worse. So do you think Nora was Could've always... been in- better. <laughs> do you think Nora was always intended to return to her real root life? In other words, was the Midnight Library just a lesson for Nora to learn to appreciate her current life? Or did the Midnight Library actually have another life for her available and she just had to find it? And I guess that she didn't find it. This is a great, great question. question. So I glad ha- she brought this I, up. And I hadn't she, thought about she. it. But you know what? Now I do think that she was always intended Same. to return to her root life. Because she did find the perfect life for her. And that was with Ash yeah. and Molly. And it, they didn't let her stick there. And she, all she wanted was to stay there. Yeah. yeah. And so I do feel like this was just about the lessons. Yes. My, like an offshoot of this question is, is everybody who enters the Midnight Library is the expectation that they will end up in their root life or do you think there are people who go to the midnight library or their version of it and end up in a life that they get sucked into right i don't think like is that even a possibility like, like hugo. i don't think so. i don't think it's a possibility because like hugo he's not going to end up in one of those lives hopefully he, maybe he needs to experience a million more lives to appreciate what he has in his og life or he just like does this until og hugo dies I don't know, but I really, I, now that I think about it, I don't think anyone ever just like jumps into the book and stays there. Well, what's yeah. scary, this is where it gets a little sci-fi, but like they said, if you die in your original life, you can never go back to the library. It sounded like you're stuck in whatever life you were currently in. So like, what if she was in a really shitty one, but then she had died in the original life and she couldn't return and like, that's her new life. They were also saying that if you die in the life that you're living, yeah, you can yeah, go back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those seem like fair rules. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because all the people who go to the Midnight Library are between life and death somehow. And you know, at a certain point, like, yeah. You, they pull the plug. Yeah. Okay. Now it is time for the Kindle highlights. What passages or passage did you highlight? And why did it stand out to you? There are so many. I thought the writing was so great. There were so, so many. And I just like forgot to highlight most of the ones that caught my eye. And there was only one that I highlighted. Okay. Um, why want another universe if this one has dogs? Oh, <laughs> I love her. That's so sweet. Right? Yeah. And then there was also the one, and hopefully one of you highlighted it, that they kept repeating about small decisions or small things and how they lead to other things. I don't know. Yeah. For me, I have two things that I wanted to share, and they're just about the fact that, like, how she was still herself in every life that she went to, like, still, like, depressed Nora. And so they said are there any other lives at all or is it just the furnishings that change? Because like we are the same no matter what we're doing, where we go. We have the same like feelings of disappointment. It's just the surroundings look different. And then also she talks a lot about like loneliness and solitude. 
this is a bit of a longer one, but it says, she had thought in her nocturnal and suicidal hours that solitude was the problem, but that was because it hadn't been true solitude. The lonely mind in the busy city yearns for connection because it thinks human to human connection is the point of everything. But amid pure nature or the tonic of wildness, as Thoreau called it, solitude, solitude took on a different character. It became in itself a kind of connection, a connection between herself and the world and between her and herself. And that was in her glacier time, right? Yeah. And it yeah. just, it makes you crave the farm chem and light. A hundred percent. You know, solitude in the big city, you're yearning for connection. I, re like I really liked that quote too, Jax. Thank you. Bex, um, what you got for us? I have a bit of a longer quote too. And this was when she was getting interviewed in her rock star life. And she said, there are patterns to life, rhythms. It is so easy while trapped in just the one life to imagine that times of sadness or tragedy or failure or fear are a result of that particular existence. That it is simply a byproduct of living a certain way rather than simply living. I mean, it would have made things a lot easier if we understood there is there was no way of living that can immunize you against sadness. And that sadness is intrinsically part of the fabric of happiness. You can't have one without the other. Of course, they come in different degrees and quantities, but there is no life where you can be in a state of sheer happiness forever. And imagining there is just breeds more unhappiness in the life you're in. I agree with that last line. I agree with it too. And I thought it was kind of sad, but realistic and like promising that she was evolving her mentality of like what her life was and what it could be. Yeah, and realizing that like, Happiness is not just like being happy 24-7. That's not a real thing. It's like ha experiencing moments of joy. Yes. 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 Oh, wow. Yeah. Thank you, Snatch. Dana, what do you got for us? This was my quote. Nora stared down at her small mole on her left hand. That mole had been through everything she'd been through, and it just stayed there, not caring, just being a mole. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. When I read that, I highlighted it and I sent it to Dana and I said, are you triggered? You guys, I don't know if the readers know this, but Dana has like mole phobia. I really feel like this book was written for me. Like he found me and wrote it yes, for me. I agree. Like the whole premise, the library. Yes. Like Dana Butterfly is a library. effect. Butterfly effect. All down to the fact that like it's her and her mole on this journey. Okay. Yeah. So like I have a very weird love-hate relationship with moles. I know where everybody's moles are. Like it's just a <laughs> gift or a curse I have. Like I'll meet you for one second and I can tell you where your moles are. It's also a form of identification strategies for me because I cannot remember who people are. Like I have a very good memory. If you tell me your name, I'll tell you everything about you but like facial recognition zero geographical location recognition zero like there is something wrong in my brain where I cannot remember faces and places mm. and moles are what ground me because I'm like oh I know where your moles are I know who you are so wow. I just feel like the fact that she used her mole as a grounding mechanism where every universe she was in, she was reminded of who her true self was by looking down at her left hand. I was like, oh my God, I'm in the Truman Show. Oh my God. No, literally, you are. I felt the same way. And it was just like funny because in other lives, she would have tattoos or scars yes. that were all in flux based on decisions that she made. But yes. mole was always with her. Moles yep. are forever. <laughs> moles are forever. I'm going to vomit even. <laughs> it didn't make you feel more fondly towards moles. Like, thinking about it in that way. I just Do you have any moles, really? I, oh, Dan has the most moles. That's what's so ironic. I it's like she looks at you and she's like, wow, I'm disgusted by the on existence of your moles. And let alone her, this girl, and her moles They're everywhere. They're my North Star. Like, I just feel like... <laughs> what did you say? They're my North Star. <laughs> I feel like I'm on to something with these moles. Okay. I have so many to show you. I, you don't need to. No, she know knows where they are. are. 
I know, Stitch. I know. <laughs> Look at that crazy one. <laughs> I'm so happy that this resonated with you in such a profound so much. Way. Okay, now it is time for the moral of the story. I mean, there are so, where do we begin? This feels like Luis well, Velez. It was moral after yes. moral. Mine is no regrets. Oh, no regrets. Even one letter. No, because that really was the moral for me. It's like just diminishing this book of regrets, realizing that these aren't things that you should regret because if you had done it that way, like it actually could have been worse or let it wouldn't have made you happy. Yeah. So trying to live without regrets aside from the teen tour. And, <laughs> and um, actually, I don't regret going to Colgate. Like I loved Colgate. I just sometimes, no, no, I sometimes wonder, wonder yes, yes, yes. Yeah. where I would be if I went, if I stayed in the city and went to NYU. That's, yeah. but I don't wish that I did that at all. So no. still my one regret would be Sulam. the teen tour. Yeah. Mine's life's what you make it. So let's make it rock. Oh, it's always good. Mine is never give up on the idea that there can be a life somewhere that can be enjoyed. Oh, that's sweet and promising. But what if you can't get to that life because no, you're parallel? I'm just not Not about parallels, but like, say you're feeling completely in despair. Like, you know, there's nothing left to tie you. No one cares about you. Like, never give up on the idea that there is a life that in you the can future. Build. Yes. I in, understand. That's beautiful. Right? That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Mine, I'm just borrowing from the book that was repeated almost every page, but never underestimate the big importance of small things. That's. That's, that's what, what I was trying to say. Oh. And I said, I hope so. Full circle. <laughs> no one's listening to anyone. Full circle. I'm um, listening to all of you. We're listening. Full circle. Is what in, in Matt Haig's words, that. Yeah. I also was thinking of you snitched the whole book. A Taylor Swift lyric kept popping into my head. Oh. If one thing had been different, would everything be different? Wow. Wow. I feel like that that's, lyric really encapsulates yeah. the heart of this book. Definitely. It does. Thank you for that, Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> Now it's time for the Hollywood treatment. We are casting Nora and Mrs. Elm, but really this is Nora's show, so you just need a strong female actress who's really a chameleon in all different lights. Okay, I really feel like I have the answer. Okay. Oh, oh I'm I, British, by I mean, the way. I the answer is Dana Sophie Holtzberg. Turner. <laughs> Sophie Turner. Nora's 35. And it's fine. It's fine. Okay, Sophie Turner, you said. I said Jenna Coleman. She is from Victoria. She's a British British actress, and I just like love her. So I want to see her in more stuff. And she's thirty five. That's a good one. You guys, I forgot that she had to be British. Me too. She right? ha- I mean, she could put on an accent. So I had Kristen Stewart, obviously. You're obsessed with her. We said like <laughs> three in a row. I know, I know, but I knew you guys would get mad at me. So I also had um, Emma Roberts and Lucy Hale. Like I just was so unsure who this character is. Okay, I think that. It needs to be someone a little more serious than those girls because they're more like cheeky rom-com. Like Wild I almost, child. I almost did like Amelia Clark, but she's so smiley. Oh, yeah. And like Nora is very serious. And that's why I did Kristen Stewart because like Nora yeah. was just like sultry and just <laughs> deathy all the time. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Dana? Brie Larson. Very good. Honestly, that might be the best one Thank that we have. Thank you so much. I was channeling her in room. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> For Mrs. Elm, just sweet old lady, Betty White. Margot Nightingale, you know I always choose her. I did British, Maggie Smith. Beautiful. Professor McGonagall. Betty White. Amazing. Anyone could get the part. Okay, you guys, that is like our recap. Now we're going to rate the book. I'm going to miss talking about this book. I know. It's been a while since we've all really rallied behind a book and had such a great productive discussion. So now it's time for our overall rating. I just want to let you guys know that now our overall Redheads rating is in the description of each podcast episode. So if you ever want to read a book, but you want to know what we rated it first, head over to the podcast description and check it out. Dana, what did you rate this book? A 4.6. Nice. Wow, that's 
big numbers for Dana. Rebecca? 4.2. Nice. I rated it a 4.5. Nice. Four. Four. I'll take it, Snitch. I think this might be our highest rated, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah? (laughs) 4.325. That feels right. That feels right. Can I just say something? So when I put all the descriptions into the episodes, I had to go back and listen to every episode and skip to the part where we do the math and we add it up. And every single time I add it up, Margo goes, that feels right. (laughs) (laughs) At least we're accurate. (laughs) Oh, my God. We're nothing not consistent. But I just want to let you know our ratings are all over the place. And I'm not going to lie. Like, this feels low for this book. Comparatively to what we've rated some trash ones. No. (laughs) There were some fours going around for Luis Velez. Not for me. Probably for me. Because I was like, you guys, good lessons being had, being taught. No, it took a while for me to realize, like, what happened to us with Luis Velez. You guys, we were also predisposed to hate it because we had to reschedule 16 different times. Like, we were in a dark yeah, place mentally, true. physically, emotionally. Like, we had it was, physically come up here and then a crane fell and we had to turn right, around. It wasn't crane. even like we canceled before we left our But we had already read the book, so how could it have been <laughs> No, we just, somewhere. like, resented <laughs> the conversation. Okay, fine. We won't... We I kind of liked Luis Velez. <laughs> but, like, no one can admit it. Like, we like, had, like, all just decided that we hate Luis Velez. Like, I think I liked Is it, it too. Is it age well? But I think at the time. I agree. It didn't age well, but yeah. while I was reading it, I was completely yeah, fine with yeah. it. I thought it was really sweet. Okay, now it's time for the other books that we read this month. And this segment is brought to you by Bookfinity. Bookfinity is introducing the first ever Moody Awards. The Moody's are first of its kind in end-of-year book awards for your favorite reads based on how they made you feel. The categories are books that made you feel the most happy, amused, empowered, scared, inspired, and informed. We are excited to announce that one of the books that we recap this year, Malibu Rising, is nominated in the amused category. Voting is open all month, so go vote for your favorite books of 2021 at bookfinity.com slash vote. And while you're there, check out the rest of the site. Bookfinity is the newest experience built for readers. Get personalized book recommendations by taking the fun, pop culture-inspired quiz to discover your reader type. You can also track books you want to read, add quick reviews to what you've already read, and find local bookstores in your area to help support small businesses this holiday season. Visit bookfinity.com slash vote to vote in the Moody Awards and get started. Also, Bookfinity is a great resource because I never know what to read next, and Bookfinity just gives great recommendations. And they shared all of our reader types, which now everyone knows what they are here, right? Yep. Yep. And it makes knowing what you should read next even easier, knowing what you like. So definitely check that out. Now, who read what this month? Let's start with Margo. Uh... Don't think I read anything this month. Okay, totally fine. Rebecca? Me too. Sorry, guys. Totally fine. Dana, how many did you read this month? Whoever read less can go first. I read eight. Oh, I guess I'm going (laughs) first. Oh, my God. I was just by a pool reading for two weeks straight. So She pounded the Kindle. Yes. Okay, I read one two three four five and a half i started that's, both that's still unbelievable that's you were insane. not on a two-week yeah. honeymoon <laughs> no but i'm like nesting so and also i made a commitment i don't know why i was just like i want to read this month i don't want to watch tv so i've just been reading first thing i read was the last thing he told me by laura dave it was a reese's book club choice and i was seeing it all over the place um it was pretty meh i gave it a three it, it didn't bother me but it didn't rock my world at all 
Then I read Good Morning Monster, Five Heroic Journeys to Emotional Recovery by Katherine Gildener. This was a recommendation from Lauren Bostick, The Skinny Confidential. It's a nonfiction book. It's written by a therapist. It's the stories of five of her clients' patients and their journeys to emotional recovery. It was amazing. It really like totally had me in my thinking and just change the way like I think about people and I think about situations and how everyone is just like a product of all of the things that have happened to them in their lives and like it's just it was so good I I, and I love the way that it was broken out it was like I would read one person's story every night and I finished it rather quickly Rebecca I think you would really like it okay I'm gonna read this book and I made Dana read it it's very good I second that so she will share her rating I gave it a four I it could have been a five I don't know why I was feeling so stingy Then I read The Last Time I Saw You by Liv Constantine. I just wanted like a fancy thriller, like good-looking people killing each other sort of thing. And Lauren Elizabeth has recommended this book to me. And that's exactly what it was. It was really good, you know, like a whodunit in a fabulous scenario. At times it was like frustrating and I wasn't obsessed, but I gave it a four. My ratings are all out of whack because that shouldn't get the same rating as Good Morning Monster. Good Morning Monster is better, you think? Uh, Yeah. I also read Rock, Paper, Scissors by Alice Feeney, which is another book that's like been making the rounds on people's reads, and it's a thriller. And you know, I really liked it. It was an extremely slow burn. So if you are someone who like needs to be hooked right in, don't read it. If you're someone with some time on your hands and patience and looking for a good payoff, I would recommend it as a good thriller. It definitely was surprising to me, and I I liked it a lot. I gave it a four, and I am glad that I read it. Then I read Golden Girl by Ellen Hildebrand. Everyone knows Ellen Hildebrand. Mm-hmm. She's like the summer re- like book queen. She's written like a million books about Nantucket. And this was her latest fiction book that I, no one really like insisted that I read or anything. But it was so good. It was my favorite Ellen Hildebrand book yet. I think this is like my sixth book of hers that I read. And it was by far and away the best one. I would recommend it to everyone. It is long. But I liked it so much that I didn't really want it to end. So I wasn't bothered that it was long. I was like so happy to be spending more time with these people. Is it a light read? It is pretty light. So the premise, it's like it feels semi-autobiographical. Because it's about a woman who lives on Nantucket who's an author, a best-selling author who writes about Nantucket. And that is Ellen Hildebrand. That's what she lives there. She writes about it. And she's like a That's huge, like 28 Summers. Yeah. she Ellen Hildebrand wrote 28 Summers. Yeah. All of her books are set on Nantucket. Same with the author in this book. It was like very meta. And it was so good. I would recommend it to anyone who's looking just like for a good read for vacation or the holidays. Like it just, it gripped me. I made Claudia read it. She liked it too, even though it was really long. She was upset that it was so long. But I think it was like worth the time. Like when a book is good, I don't want it to end. Yeah. yeah. Then I started Middlesex by Jeffrey Eugenides because Dana insisted that I read it. I'm only 30% of the way in because then it's I need It's a lot. To, it's a long book. Yeah. And you need to start the Midnight Library. And it was just like Middlesex I can tell is like a good book and I'm, it's going to be good. But it's just like not at all what I need to be reading right now. And I'm just like feeling a little betrayed that you insisted so heavily when you've really never led me astray. But you obviously just don't know what I'm like needing right now. But in I, all fairness, Middlesex has been on Dana's recommendation list to us since like freshman year of college. No, it was on my want to read because she told me about it. It's like the 
third book of all like ever yeah. from two years yeah. ago. I did read it a very, very long time ago, so it's a little fuzzy. Like I remember most of it, but I think the nuances that are probably turning you off, I'm like not remembering it. Like, there are just like a few instances of like kind of really traumatic things, which is just like not what I need to be reading right it's now. It's definitely a heavy, twisted, fucked up, scary, horrible book. But <laughs> right, that's like. <laughs> but I I'm guess, going out yeah. of my way to like avoid books like that, and you, you just should like, read it while pregnant in a pandemic. No, I am <laughs> reading it. I might get back to it because if I don't finish it now, I never will. But like, it was good. I mean, it's so well written. I like, think by the end, like you won't feel traumatized after. I don't think you'll leave it being like, oh my god, I'm I'm. A I just don't person. know if I can trust you. Plus, <laughs> people were DMing me like, oh, that's a heavy book. Like, yeah. so I don't know. You're sort of like, yeah. My threshold for heaviness is a little twisted. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Like, your favorite book is a little light, right? And my dark Vanessa. Oh. My dark Vanessa is so good. By the way, we haven't even talked about how it is all too well. I we haven't. Oh my god, not on the show, well. not oh in person. God. What do you think about that, Snatchler? I mean, it is. Like, to a T. To a T. 100%. The that, trauma of it all. Yeah. That's everything that I read this month. Dana, I can't believe you read eight. Please share Um, I also read The Last Thing He Told Me by Laura Day. You we, did? No, yeah. We didn't even discuss it. We were both <laughs> reading that. I felt the exact same. Just, like, didn't really do it for me. Was fine. Wouldn't not recommend it. Wouldn't re- recommend it. I gave it a 3.1. So, very similar. Okay. Um, and I also read Good Morning Monster by Katherine Gildner. I echo Jackie's sentiment that it was an incredible book. If you're into psychology at all or just like the human psyche, it is a no-brainer. Pick it up, read it. You will be changed and thinking about it for days, weeks, months after. And I just want to say you are into psychology, yes. which is why I told you you should read it. Yes. But I'm really not, which is why I would recommend it to anyone yeah. because it, it got me like got my beak wet in psychology. I'm like, this is interesting. You don't need to like know a lot or be really well versed. And she teaches you too. Like it's instructional, but not pedantic. Yes. Agreed. I gave it a 4.4. 4. Um, then I read A Ladder to the Sky by John Boyne. <gasps> I gave that a 4.5. Right. And I read his other book, The Heart's Invisible Theories, which was amazing. So I knew I wouldn't be going wrong with this. And I was not. It is just as well written, just as long, but you never want it to end. Very good. Then I read Miss Benson's Beetle by Rachel Joyce. This was the weirdest book I've ever read, and I actually loved it, but I would never recommend it to anybody. It's not dark at all. It's just like, basically it's about an old woman who traverses the globe to look for a beetle that may or may not exist. Like, if I had read that description, I would have never opened it. Luckily, I just (laughs) had it as a wreck, and I'm so happy I read it, but I wouldn't read it if I were you. (laughs) (laughs) Noted. Then I read Lost and Wanted by Nell Fraudenberger. Um, It was okay. It was good. Didn't really stick with me, but I enjoyed it while I was reading. 3.1. Then I read The Lincoln Highway by Amor Tolls. You did. I did. You know what, Jackie? It was the same book as This Tenderland, so I wouldn't recommend it. I felt like Amor Tolls is This Tenderland? No. No, but the book, The Lincoln Highway, is almost the same exact plot. Yeah, that's what I got from the description. Yeah. I'm in the middle of This Tenderland, FYI. Like, I'm not a full Tenderland. And I like this. I gave it a 4.0, but, like, if you didn't love This Tenderland, or even if you just read This Tenderland too recently, I wouldn't suggest this thereafter. It's too much of the same thing. Okay. I've been seeing that book everywhere, and I really liked Amar Tolls. Loved Rules of Civility by him. I didn't really like A Gentleman in Moscow. I should give it another try, because people really stan it. I just couldn't get through it, but... Yeah. I should read that next, if I... Instead of... I think you'll like that because it's very historically like related. Okay. Then I read The Family by Naomi Krapitsky. I gave it a 4.3. Sam Frankel's friend Sam Barish recommended it, and I always trust her book. She gave me the push, which I loved. This was a great book. I actually think both of you and Snitch You too would love it. It's like... It's called The Family? Yeah, The Family by Naomi Krapitsky. It just talks about, like, people making their way to America and surviving in Brooklyn, and, you know, I won't go farther than that, but I think you would both really like it. Cool. Oh, it's a read with Jenna Pick. She picks really good books. Yeah. 
It, it was really good. I don't think anyone would read it and regret it. The last book I read was Cloud Cuckoo Land by Anthony Doerr, which is everywhere. Yeah, it's everywhere. Okay, the whole time I was reading it, I was like, I hate this book. It's such a joke just because he wrote um, All the Light You Cannot See. It doesn't mean you get to be on every bestseller because you have one hit. This book stinks. And by the end, I was like, I love this book. This is <laughs> one of my favorite books. I can't stop thinking about it. It was incredible. It's so different. Like, be prepared to read as if you're reading a textbook. It's all about Greek mythology, which I randomly know a lot about because all the liberal arts classes I took at Colgate were like Greek mythology. My FSM was called Metamorphosis. It was... Just a very niche, interesting book, but I ended up loving it, although it took me to 85% to feel that way. Okay, wow. Interesting. Thank you so much for all these recommendations. Ladies, that was really fascinating. Thank you for this time. Big month for books. (laughs) I plan to have a big month of reading this month because of all the time off with the holidays, so I'm really excited. Please, as always, you guys, if you're listening, share any books that you think that we would like. I get so many book recommendations from the comments section, Yeah. so just comment on any of our posts, and we usually see it. I feel like that's how how I found so many great books. Especially if a lot of people recommend the same book. Yes. I'm like, okay, then I'm going to read it. I yes. mean, and at this point, like so many people have recommended The Rose Code and The Alice Network that I'm going to read those two books just for you guys because just to let you know, like, I see. Yeah. I see we, you. We trust you. Okay. Now, usually this is where we would end the episode, but because this is our last episode of the year, we need to do our 2021 year in review for books. Woo! So just like last year, we're going to do our top three Redheads books of the year and our top three non-Redheads books of the year. But they could also wind up being Redheads if you loved it so much. So let's start with the Redheads and let's go from three to two to one. And then hopefully we will be able to tell which was the number one book of the year. Starting at number three, Snitch, what did you have? American Duchess. Wow, so did I. And I was feeling so unsure about the choice. I'm like, did I just put it there because I chose it? But I really felt like of a lot of the books that we read this year, it stuck with me. Yep. I feel the same way and I'm having this like moment of regret that I didn't include it on my list. My number three is Layla and I think I just have to stick to my guns. So yeah, good. I think what you put. I think about Layla too, mostly because I don't read a lot of like ghost books. So like anytime I have like a ghostly thought, I'm like Layla. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my number three was also Layla. Oh my goodness. Wow, Dana. two we're can tied. Can you believe Dana's number three is a Colleen Hoover? Anything can happen I at the really Redheads. I really love that book. Colleen Snitch. Hoover is a fabulous writer. No, I know, but like But no, yeah, you wouldn't expect me yeah. to have it. But you know, I think I had like what was the one we, before we were strangers as one of my yeah. topics too last you year. like low-key fuck with my yeah, choices you, dana yeah. <laughs> number two snack i had layla okay i had midnight library i had detransition baby i had midnight library wow i didn't include midnight library in my three <laughs> but you loved it so much i know but i just didn't. not enough okay. yeah not enough Number one, Snatchler. You guys would be shocked, but we are the Brennans. I fucking love that book. Wow. I liked it while we were reading it. I never thought about it me again. Me neither. I really Same. couldn't tell you what it was about it right now. It <laughs> just slid off me. <laughs> My number one, Clara and the Sun. No! Shut the fuck up. I think yeah. about Clara. Every time I open up my shades, I think about Clara. I think Re- about that bitch all the time. I think about her recharging me. She's recharging <laughs> brew. I love Clara and the Sun. I can't. And so I just, what you're telling me is this is a list of our least favorite books of the year. <laughs> Maybe for you. Maybe for you. What was your favorite? My favorite was The Nature of Fragile Things. I really loved that book. It like touched my soul and it was just like everything that I wanted in a book. Historical fiction, adventure, etc. Yeah. 
Clara and the Sun. I oh, literally <laughs> like guys, absolutely fucking not. And it was a runaway. I loved that book. I yeah. refuse this narrative of like this being in like our top books. <laughs> yeah, we would have to do some math after this to figure out like what's the we number. We had the same one and two. That was interesting. And we had the same three and you had the same three. So we're all kind of aligned yeah, in we're some all, ways. Yeah, kind of aligned. But I did feel like when thinking about the Redheads books of this year, I do feel like we played it safe a little bit this year. We did. You know, like, I feel like in the year before there were some really low points, but it also allowed for some really high points. Maybe like we were coming off a pandemic and the last thing we needed was more disruption. Yeah. But I just feel like for me in picking for next year, like I'm going to try and even if it's a total flop, just to switch it up a little bit. I feel like I was really safe with my choices this year. One million percent. I think after I selected the kitchen front, I just lived a life of regret. I was like, that was was crazy. We read a cookbook. Wait, I like like kitchen front better than a slow fire burning. Like I hated a slow fire fire burning burning again. It was like there was, it was the the murder on on the the houseboat. No, it's not that I didn't like a kitchen, the kitchen yeah. front. It was just that it was such a safe choice. Like it was like <laughs> World War Two mm-hmm. and and historical fiction and food. Like yeah. we're fine, you know. Like there's so much more to life, as evidenced by the <laughs> glaciologist. I agree. Okay, so that's a good takeaway. And for next year, we'll be seeing more risky choices from Bex and I. Now it's time for our top three non-Redheads books of the year. So, Snitch, we'll start with you. Give us your three, your two, and your one. Okay. Number three was Beach Read by Emily Henry. Okay, cute. Because I did actually technically read that this year, and I really liked it. Number two was We Are the Redheads. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then number one was obviously It Happened One Summer by Tessa Bailey. Like, literally my but favorite like book ever. Snitch. It's pornography for you, considering yeah. you read A Little Life. You know. <laughs> and now you're a married hag, so baby. It, it's very spicy, but I felt like... I liked it so much because the love story felt so, like, cute and yeah. real. When I was reading The Lincoln Highway, I was thinking of Snitch because I was like, there's not one kiss in this whole book. <laughs> no, no one holds Don't hands. recommend it. <laughs> no. Okay, my top three are so fucking random. I'm going to look back on this and be like, what was I smoking? My number three, I had it. I couldn't decide. I had a tie. So I had Golden Girl because I just read it and I liked it so much. And I also had Every Last Secret by A.R. Tori. I read it in the beginning of the year and it it's everywhere now. Like, book talk, Instagram, like, everyone. People are always recommending it to me. I'm like, I fucking found that book. No one recommended it to me when I read it. Like, I just, like, read the description. I thought it sounded interesting. And I told, like, Claudia to read it and then we talked oh, about it on the show. Best. So I just feel like it's, like, a boomerang. It's, like, coming back at me and it's like, no, I, I, I think I found this book. But I don't know. Maybe I didn't. Number two, so fucking random. But it took me on a journey, a historical journey that really, like, was such a big part of my year. Queen Victoria's Matchmaking by Deborah Cadbury. It was a nonfiction book about Queen Victoria and her grandchildren and how she, like, set them all up in marriages to, like, so that they would sit on every throne in Europe. And I just, when I was reading it, I loved it so much. Like, I just wanted to always scurry away and pick up my Kindle. And then it set me off on reading about all those different people that I had. And it just gave me a huge education about history. And I just loved it. And I miss it already. Then my number one was The Portrait of a Mirror by A. Natasha Joukowsky. Dana and I read this book over the summer. We made our friend Sam read it. I, t- I recommend it to so many people. Bex, you should read it. Josh read it on our honeymoon. He loved it. Is Josh this read the it. one that's like just a dialogue between two people? No. It's about two different couples. They Their lives are interwoven because of like work and other stuff. And it's just a very, it's very dense and there's a lot of like art references, but it's just like a very apt description of humans. Yeah, I'm going to read it. It's It's just so so good. On point and I loved it. 
I loved it so much. It was my number. It was the best book I read this year. Kind of reminds me of you for how you would like handle social interactions because she's quick like that you know yeah it's like, no you 100% should read it I'm gonna read it my mind is exploding with all the books that I need to read like <laughs> I don't know why I get paralyzed in between redheads episodes of like but why don't you read over the holidays like this is a perfect- well I'm going to Florida on Wednesday like I'm 100% okay Okay, we just have to talk about, like, my ranking of, like, what is going to be my go-to list. Yes. Okay, that, like, there's so many right now. Now we've like, given you so yes, many. Yes, so yes. many. Um, those are great books, Jack. Yes, I, I, it's a really random list, but it covers, I do feel like it covers the, it gamut, the gamut of what I was into this year. Bex, what about you? I agree with that. So, Dana, I am apologizing in advance because these are all your recommendations. Oh so, my like, good. if they're on that. your list, too. No, even like, better if they are. I think it's beautiful. But, first of all, The Midnight Library. I that's number sh- three? Yes, that's okay. number three oh, for wow. me. I thought it was fantastic. And, like, I think that, like, even it, it was just so recent. But, like, I think if, even if I marinated on it for the next few months, I would agree that it was my number three. Number two is The Push. Such an intense, profound read. Like, could not put it down. And it was just, like, blew my mind, body, soul. And did not stop thinking about it. It was very intense, so I just will say that. Um, and then number one is The Heart's Invisible Furies. Again, like, so damn good. Like, can't even wrap my head around, like, how much it triggered my feelings. And Should I, think, I read like, it? Yes. Yeah, you for sure. Yes, I, I love sh- it. In you, a real way. Okay. You'll done. love it in a real way. Like, it's just an intense, powerful book, which I think is, like, my sign that I love a good read, which is, like, why I always take Dana's Rex. No, I'm so happy you picked those. They are very similar to mine. Okay, so the third kind of a wild card but I chose Dark Matter by Blake Crouch it's sci-fi it's literally the Midnight Library like if you guys are listening and you love the Midnight Library then read Dark Matter same exact concept more sciency but parallel universe etc great great book I was torn between The Heart's Invisible Furies by John Boyne, which I ended up picking, and Rules of Civility by Amar Tolles. Though two of those books for me are like kind of the same for some reason, but... Rules of Civility is an honorable mention for me, too. Yes, honorable mention Rules of Civility, and honorable mention Portrait of a Mirror. I was really struggling to include that, too. Um, and number one, I gotta say The Push by Ashley Audrain. Wow. It was really the book of the year for me. It was one of the best books I've ever read. I would recommend it to everybody. No, no, no. Not to everybody. Not to everybody. Because Rebecca, when you guys read it, Rebecca said, I wouldn't read it if you want to have kids in the next two years. And I'm pretty sure like that was the week I found out I was pregnant. So I was like, I'm never reading this book. And I recommended it to my mom who read it. And like I had two, I had two sisters who were pregnant at the time. And yeah. so she was very tr- like troubled by it. It's just like if you have children in your midst, like I think honestly like the cutoff is like where we're at right now. It's like we don't have kids, but like in a few years we will. I think if you have kids and if your kids have kids, like it's, it's off limits. Okay, I recommend it to everyone who doesn't yet have kids. Yes. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Wow, you guys, what a great year of reading for all of the girls. Thank you guys so much for being redheads as always. Before we let you go, we have our next book announcement. We will be reading oh, a Snitch's Choice, our first book of 2022. Snitch is going to lead us off. Counts, what will be the Layla of next year? I chose The Simple Wild by K.A. Tucker. It just came highly recommended to me and I just think that we like just need uh, Before We Were Strangers in the midst. Kicking I'm off so 2022, excited. right. Yeah, so okay. I'm very excited. It, it has, has a 4.4 4 on Goodreads. Hell yeah. That's yeah. pretty good. You know what so. else had a 4.4 4 on Goodreads? Good, right side? <laughs> Red, white, and royal blue. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully this is better, but I'm excited. 
I'm excited. We love a snitch's choice. We're going to lighten it up after Midnight Library. And we will see you guys next year. Thank you so much for being redheads. This has been such a great year of reading. You know, as always, it's so nice to find comfort in books and with fellow readers and sharing recommendations. So we will see you next year. Goodbye. Happy Hanukkah, everyone.